the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And later, we'll be on Apple Podcasts and TalkLawRadio.com. Try interacting with us uh, during today's show through Twitter or Facebook. You can post your questions in the comments uh, for the post uh, of this show. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in district court, county court, or probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law, but because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only, and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information you learn today should be relied upon only when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to do your will. Please help Tracy and me give good information to the listeners about human resources today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today we're going to be talking about human resources with Tracy. So we're going to be talking about some of the law and some of the policies and procedures that businesses have in their human resources department. If you have questions, feel free to call us at 210-308-8867. We're taking calls today. Or you can just post a comment in the, in the Facebook feed. Let us know what your questions are, whether you're an employee or an employer. Okay, Mark, hit it. So, Tracy, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and and your background. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to talk about everything we have planned today. So, um, again, my name is Tracy Amos. Um, I own Harmonic HR, which is an HR consulting firm. 
Uh, I have over 20 years of HR experience, recently coming from a large company as the vice president of human resources. And we take care of your all of your HR needs. Really, we are a a full HR company. We handle everything from your employee relations down to benefits administration. We work with some great brokers. Uh, we also, um, and I know we'll get more into it with with um, with this, but we really became. COVID professionals at the very beginning. So my business has really, it's really tailored to what the business, what my clients need. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's me. That's my company. Thank you. Uh, are you from San Antonio? I am from, I'm from Houston originally. Uh, I was raised in Houston, born in Miami, Cuban blood running oh, through wow. me. Yes. Uh, and we moved to San Antonio 23 years ago, and we love it. We call it home. I love Houston. My family and my best friends are there, uh, but I, I love San Antonio. It's been a great place to raise my children. Will you share with us a little bit about your family? Sure. I have uh, my husband, Mike. Um, he, We've been married for 20 years now, uh, coming up on 21, so a long time ago. Uh, we met in junior high. Wow. Yeah, So, and then we got together right after high school. Uh, I have two kids, one Matthew, he's 16 years old, he's a junior, and Christina, she's 23. She actually just graduated uh, from UTSA, and she's going into law school. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that is, that's my family. They're all here in San Antonio. Uh, so it's, it's, they've been a blessing to raise. I had a similar story with my wife, Chris. We met in junior high, uh, my best friend's cousin, and I didn't start dating her until uh, I think I was in the 10th grade and she was in the 9th grade. Mm-hmm. And so high school sweethearts. Yeah. He <laughs> held my books for me. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So he was, uh, it, it's been amazing to see each other grow. Besides work and family, what else are you interested in? You know, I love HR. So really that's consumed me. But I love traveling. And there's nothing better than traveling with your family. Right. So some would say, yeah, I I love it. But you have to make sure that you also travel with your spouse. You know, that's been very important for us. So uh, we've been fortunate we can take a, you know, trip for us, Mm -hmm. uh, let our hair down, and then take a trip for our kids because they're not going to want to hang out with you for the rest of your life, no matter if the vacation is free to them or not. Um, so I, I really, we love traveling any chance we get, we will go. So when COVID happened, it really put a damper on things. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with the name harmonic HR? You know, coming up with a company name isn't as easy as everyone thinks. And there's things involved in it. We went through, uh, my partners and I went through about a hundred names, uh, before we found harmonic everything is taken and you have to be very careful with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anything that was even similar, uh, and I like harmonic because it's harmony, right? I'm bringing harmony to the workplace. And it's, I think HR has really been, uh, gotten a very bad rap in the last probably five or 10 years because we're looked at as they walk into a room and you're getting fired mm-hmm. or you walk into a room and, someone's getting fired. There's an investigation going on. Mm-hmm. We don't want to talk to HR. So when I opened this company and we came up with the name Harmonic, it's for harmony. That's not what HR is. HR is to help the employer, to help the employee. And really, I am a people person. I love people. That's why I got into the business. I love fixing things. And that could be a fault, right? Because I want to fix people's things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was the name really for harmonic. We were trying to figure out what, what means harmony, what means peace and harmonic just fit the bill. Yeah. I think a business runs better, you know, more profitable for the employer and and more satisfying for the employee. 
Absolutely. When everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's tough, especially these days, but, you know, we're able to do it. Everyone wants a happy workplace. Okay, so what are some of the the big rocks that you handle for a company as uh, HR? Well, hold on. We're about to take a break. When we come back, tell us what some of the big rocks are that people hire you to do when you come into their company. And then we'll talk about the big Supreme Court case uh, and uh, President Joe Biden's uh, attempted mandate for vaccinations. We're going to take a break, so when we come back, uh, stay tuned. care for yourself or your home. Without powers of attorney, your loved ones will be forced to the world of court battles and guardianship lawsuit to declare you to be incapacitated. Better yet, ask about a living trust containing your instructions about where you want to live, how you want to be taken care of, if you have a heart attack, stroke, or develop Alzheimer's or dementia. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved ones settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here with Tracy Amos and uh, her company, Harmonic HR. She was about to tell us about the, the big rocks, big things that companies will hire you to do for them. Yeah, so right now I'm working with a company and I'm completing their I-9 audits. So that is a huge... Hold on. Not everybody knows what I-9 is. All right. (laughs) So your I-9 form, um, and and I'll try to break it down as as simple as I can, um, that proves that you are legal to work in the United States, that you – that you're able to work in the United States. And that's been a big, hot topic probably the last, what, four years, four and a half years? Right. Uh, So that's a big one. So I go into companies and – it really depends. Do they have paper I-9s? Do they have electronic I-9s? I pull new hires. I pull just to make sure that everyone has their I-9s. So there's two different sides of it. Paper I-9, you really have to go through, make sure everything is correct. Because if there is one mistake and you get audited, that's a hefty fine. Electronic I-9s are so much easier, right? Mm-hmm. So now it's just making sure that um, you're work authorizations are up to date, that you don't have anyone that has a tentative non-confirmation, which really just means that uh, you, sometimes a date can be mismatched, like a birth date or something, Mm -hmm. and you have to get it fixed. Uh, But anyways, electronic I-9s are very easy to handle, right? Because they're all there. You just have to make sure that everyone has an I-9. So that's one side of it. The next side of it is benefits administration. So this is actually a fun part. You're bringing in um, benefits to a company. It's fun when they don't have any benefits. So you bring things in like health insurance, which everyone needs. Needs Dental, 401k. It's even better if a company matches. It's exciting. So Mm -hmm. I get to be almost the cheerleader, right, of benefits. Hey, we love you guys, and this is what we're offering you. And those are the two – those are probably the the two biggest things. And, yes, it's fun on the benefit side. It's difficult. It is difficult because you're going out there working with your broker, making sure that you're getting the best rates um, and trying to convince a company to cover a certain percentage because benefits, group benefits, are not not cheap at all. Mm -hmm. So on the I-9, that's when – the employer or the manager of the business has to look at a driver's license or a social security card or a birth certificate. And there's a whole list of various proofs of identification, right? There is a whole list. And employers aren't required to be document experts, right? So Mm -hmm. um, we're not, I'm not asking the manager to, if it's a a paper I-9, 
I'm not asking the manager to be a document expert, right? But if you see that the font is a little bit different than it normally is or Mm -hmm. something is misspelled, that's happened to me, uh, you know, that might indicate some sort of red flag. Okay. Yeah. So. Wow. I never knew what the red flags were, Mm -hmm. but that's a good tip. Yeah. If there's something's misspelled that shouldn't be or if the font is different. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you heard it here on Talk Law Radio. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the um, presidential requirement that uh, companies require their employees to be vaccinated. Hot topic. Yeah, how did the HR world respond to that? Well, you know, first off, I think we can all agree that we are done with COVID, right? I mean, it is it is time to move on. We may be done, but it's not done with <laughs> it us. It is not done with us. Uh, so yeah, so when the pandemic first hit, I think that all of the HR departments around the United States became infectious disease experts, right? That's what we had to be. We attended every seminar possible. Uh, we had to really know about this virus and know how transmissible it was. And it scared companies. It really did scare companies. Um, and I have a lot of stories about that. But um, so HR departments scrambled. And I know this because I was the HR department. We scrambled as a business to make sure that we were keeping our employees and our workplace as safe as possible. So that the business could continue business. Correct. Um, Or so we thought, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I know that's later. So uh, when the mandate came out, I really, I read the ETS and I understood every bit of it. I've I've read that language before. I think OSHA actually did a great job in writing the 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 FAQs. But your normal business owner, your normal employee, they need it to be really broken down for them. So I created with one of my clients, I created a FAQ. Uh, and we all had, I knew that this was going to get shut down. I had a strong feeling. Most of it is, um, this is Texas, right? So as well, so I knew that it, that the lawsuits would start happening, but I also knew that I had to make sure that we were protected and that we were ready to roll this out at a moment's notice. I think that, uh, this Supreme court case said that, um, the, the mandate started in November. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that what you remember? Yes. And so you, there wasn't like a, a time period where people could comment or ask questions or offer suggestions. Right. President said it, and then it was implemented right away. Right. And it was really piece by piece that we got the information. You know, I would check OSHA website every single day. Has it been released yet? Has it been released yet? And then, bam, it was released. Oh, and by the way, you've got, what was it, three weeks to get the first shot, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. you – that so you had to look up your calendar. You had to – I think it was just for employers. I saw the hardship that it would create because not only – were we asking our managers or business owners, um, hey, please run your store, but also can you all please become an expert in handling confidential information? And, you know, I I just saw it was a nightmare in my head because I'm working with clients. I, I can't be everywhere in one spot to roll this out. So I'm having to give a quick course to managers and business owners about what they can say, what they can't say, you know, teaching them about reasonable accommodations and uh, medical and religious accommodations, uh, giving them a a brief overview as quick as I can on HR. So what does OSHA stand for? Occupational Safety, uh, what is the H? Hazard. Hazard. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the the govern the federal government office that uh, is supposed to issue regulations so that workplaces are safe for right. workers. Right. And and they were charged with administering the program and enforcing it. And what this court case said, I'll 
I'll mention the name here. Uh, the National Federation of Independent Business versus Department of Labor, Occupational Safety and Health Administration. That's what OSHA stands for. So this was uh, just decided January 13th, 2022. And the opinion by the United States Supreme Court says that um, what the agency was really doing was trying to do something to uh, better public health through individual employers. And that had never been done before by uh, an organization, an agency that was only focused on companies and businesses. So it, it should have been more tailored to the risks at work, right. not just the risk of living anywhere, whether you're at home or at work. And I think companies, for the most part, did a great job of, um, you know, when 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 COVID hit, when the pandemic started, they I think they did it. They invested money in partitions. And, you know, I can tell you partitions aren't cheap because I helped, you know, Mm -hmm. get these partitions, you know, keeping people apart, uh, 50 percent occupancy, which hurt businesses. But I think they did a really great job in doing that. Uh, in in trying to prevent the spread. Yeah, so that's certainly a place where people get sick. Mm -hmm. We all know that when kids go to school, they're going to get sick because they're around other kids. When we're at work, uh, in the olden days, before 2019, people would come to work sick. Right. (laughs) And it, it it might spread. It just happened that this particular illness spreads more easily, I think, than some others. Right. Okay, so anything else you want to say about um, that vaccine mandate? So just so we're clear with the listeners that um, the Supreme Court said uh, the federal government cannot make a mandate that every company uh, force their employees to be vaccinated. Uh, Whether you think that everybody should be vaccinated or not, that's a different question. This was just related to whether or not OSHA uh, was allowed to require companies who then would require their employees to be vaccinated. So that brings us to that that other previous question when uh, the mayor shut down the city and said nobody can go to work even even if you want to to help spread, prevent the spread of the illness. And so um, some companies had to lay everybody off, and that's a whole other issue, right? Yeah, so that was a very um, dark time, I think, for HR uh, when the mayor said, you know, it's, it's you, yeah, we, we had to, all of a sudden, I had to work with RIT department because now we weren't set up really to work from home. Department heads could. They had their laptops. They had their cell phones. But your accountants, your HR managers, your uh, they weren't set up uh, to work from mm-hmm. home. So, you know, just talking about my last client, they had 60 employees in one spot. All of a sudden, we have to work from home. So myself and our VP of IT, uh, were they, we were making a schedule for people to come into work, make sure they have what they need. Okay, well, we need these cords now, so we've got to order them and get them in. So we had 60 people over the course of two days, and we were handing out equipment. Mm-hmm. And that can become – that was that was tough. That was really tough. Uh, but we did it, and now that's the norm now, right? And But unfortunately, some companies can't work from home. Your restaurants – they mm-hmm. can't work from home. You know, they went to delivery only. So now it's um, trying to figure out, okay, well, we normally didn't do delivery, uh, but right. now we have to figure out how to do <laughs> delivery. And it's not just putting someone in a car and delivering food. It's you have to make sure you have uh, your insurance. You mm-hmm. do an MVR on them. You have to talk to your work comp provider because that will just increase rates like you would not believe. Mm-hmm financial hardship. It had a huge impact on companies and restaurants. 
Yeah, and I think that's why the Governor Abbott uh, allows us to order alcohol to go now. <laughs> right, right. I, I'm just waiting for that shoe to drop. But yeah. <laughs> some people are, are happy about that. I, I go into my HR mind with it, you know. Right. We're going to have to take another break. When we come back, we'll keep talking about how things have changed with work from home. There's probably more policies that specifically address that now. And uh, since, since the shutdown and since everything has changed, some people don't want to come back to work or they, they don't want to uh, work at the office. They want to require the employer to allow them to work from home. So those are all issues we'll be talking about when we come back from the break. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're here to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today we've been talking about human resources law and human resources policies for businesses and companies with Tracy Amos, who runs Harmonic HR. Tracy, welcome back. Thank you. So great to be here. So tell us about uh, a situation. Sure. So, uh, and we'll just kind of dive into... A funny situation. A funny... Oh, okay. So <laughs> um, so we have a little bit of, of a joke. Um, HR is sitting in a room and HR asks, so what is the starting salary you're looking for? And the attorney would say, somewhere in the region of 125000 a year, depending on the benefits package. So the HR manager thinks to herself and says, well, what would you say to a package of five weeks vacation, 14 paid holidays, maybe a full medical and dental package, retirement uh, matching up to 50%? What about a car leased every two years, maybe like a Corvette? Wow. That would be really nice. Are you kidding? Yes, but you started it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so that's something that you really do with uh, HR, right, is uh, maybe the offer letter and stuff like that. Yeah, and we have had some, you know, we have had some some doozies out there. We've had some, uh, you know, we make the offer and vacation a huge part of an offer. That's the first question. Above medical, believe it or not, medical benefits, how much vacation time, PTO time, sick time, that's very important. Um, and we've actually negotiated with employee with possible candidates on their vacation time. So normally companies would start out uh, 10 days, depending on the industry. Every yeah. industry is different. Um, 10 days every six months. We've had candidates say, hey, look, especially now because staffing is is very crazy. Hey, you know, we uh, I get three weeks at my company right now, So and we negotiate it. Most of the time we, we – uh, we go with what the candidate really wants. Mm-hmm. It's tough out there right now. Because there's not enough employees uh, willing to work. Yeah. But if they hire me, I can, you know, look at the comp package and benefit package and all of that and really kind of tailor it to the company. So that reminds me of uh, a couple of years ago, even before the pandemic, uh, the city of San Antonio wanted to uh, issue an ordinance that required businesses to give more sick sick leave Mm -hmm. so that was called um, san antonio's sick and safe leave law Um, that was uh, back in 2019 Uh, but there was a court case where the the court decided that the city couldn't force businesses to do that but it's the result of what employees want like you said Right. So really when that happened, I had to look at it as of 
it was a financial thing, right? So, I, I, you know, do we do these companies take back their PTO or their vacation? Now they rename their vacation PTO. Mm-hmm. Do they um, add on a sick leave? policy to that because what it said is if you do not and I believe it was one hour for every um what was it one hour for every 40 hour I I don't quite remember but it came out to eight days a year and that's quite a lot that is quite a lot Um, but I think really when COVID hit FFCRA was born right and so that was kind of the uh, I think that was a saving grace to some people. If they were sick, you know, they received that COVID leave. But companies did scramble with that with that sick leave. They really did because now we had to look at our policies and our vacation policies, PTO policies, and we had to figure out what we were going to do. We had to budget for that. So, right. And I think everybody had to just redesign the whole, the whole thing because you wanted to stay in business. Right. And you you mentioned FFCRA, that's uh, Families First Coronavirus Response Act, and, and that required employers with less than 500 employees to offer sick leave um, unless it would cause you to go out of business. Right. <laughs> and then right. you didn't have to do it. So I was looking at some of the um, s- some of the ways to figure out if if your company would be subject to this requirement that you give employees uh, sick leave. And uh, even the Frequently Asked Questions webpage was incredibly confusing. It, yes. it, it said, well, here's, the, here's one answer. For another answer, go to question four. For another answer, go to questions 58 and 59. And so I, I was thinking, well, I could just read that on the air, but then everybody would fall asleep. Right. So I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to say that it's incredibly complicated to even figure out whether you're going to be required. Mm-hmm. And then it got me thinking back to when um, we used to take everybody's temperature and ask them if they were sick. And every now and then somebody would ask me, isn't that violating HIPAA, the Health Insurance Privacy Act, Health Health Information Privacy Act? And um, so I was looking that up. Did you ever have that question? Um, no, we didn't have that question, but I think that's more geared to um, the healthcare industry and, mm-hmm. and all of that. But, you know, when the temperature started, we had to start taking temperatures. That This has been in the HR world a very eye-opening experience with COVID. Uh, but this pandemic really has, um, I think it's taught everyone a lot, but it's really made you look at your uh, your policies and procedures and keeping things confidential. You know, most businesses had a clipboard in their reception office with mm-hmm. everybody's name. Right. Um, don't put that, don't make sure you don't leave that <laughs> clipboard out. Uh, you know, don't, don't leave it out so that other people can see, but we really didn't have that. And I think when the temperature started, everyone was happy about it. You know, they wanted to make sure that, um, no one was sick, but then nobody wanted to get the disease. Right. But then here you go. Some people didn't have a temperature. Mm-hmm. So it kind of blew that out of the window, you know. They well, my favorite is uh, the, there's a school here in town that had a, a scratch and sniff sticker. Can you smell this? Because one of the <laughs> the side effects of the illness was that you lost your sense of smell. Right, <laughs> right. Oh, I I remember seeing the memes on Facebook and the and it really just it cracked me up. Yeah, because that's one of the things. And people knew before they got tested, if they couldn't taste, it mm-hmm. was all it was all over. They had COVID. But now with the new variant, there's different symptoms. Mm-hmm. So back to the question: uh, Are you allowed to ask your employees if they have COVID? The answer is yes. Um, the Federal uh, Equal Employment um, Commission decided that it was that's not going to violate any of the laws to ask your employees if, if they have COVID or if they have COVID-like symptoms. They're just not going to prosecute 
that because uh, it's in the interest of public health. The same thing with, you know, uh, there's a policy that restaurants hold about the stomach bug. You know, that was a huge thing four or five years ago that we had to put that policy in that, you know, you had to let a manager know if you had this or if you had those symptoms. So I think that that's very, it's not similar to COVID, but I'm saying the pol- the policies and procedures of notifying your manager mm-hmm. or the manager asking you, I think is very similar. So we've dealt with this before. Um, it was just a different, a different health issue. One thing that I read when I was preparing for this episode was there are some best practices about medical type information that you collect on an employee. Uh, It said you should put that in a separate place. Can you say something about that? Sure. Uh, And this is where things can really get messy. You know, you do not have an HR department in every single one of your locations. So I preach to my clients, everything should be kept separate, right? You have a personnel file. You have a file with all of your medical information. You have an I-9 file. It all has to be kept separate. And I can for see some issues with that. You know, we would, I would have my clients send their health information directly to me because I knew that I would keep it in a separate file. Um, but there's a lot of companies that do not do that. So that's a huge thing. Keep your documents separate but and do not a, share them. A lot of employment regulations like that, that people don't know because there's so many different laws that touch on employment. Right. You got discrimination, you have, and yeah, I just, you know, when I go into a company, I have almost a checklist to make sure that their documents are all separated. Let's talk more about that when we come back from this break. Uh, This is Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt, and we're here to help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. We'll also be talking about legacy when we come back, so stay tuned for that. care for yourself or your home. Without powers of attorney, your loved ones will be forced to the world of court battles and guardianship lawsuit to declare you to be incapacitated. Better yet, ask about a living trust containing your instructions about where you want to live, how you want to be taken care of if you have a heart attack, stroke, or develop Alzheimer's or dementia. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved ones settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. Tracy Amos is here with Harmonic HR, and we've been talking about how COVID-19 has impacted human resources. And uh, just before the break, Tracy mentioned that she had a checklist. What are some other HR things on your checklist that would be good for people to look out for? Sure. Policies and procedures, you know, uh, uh, making sure you have that handbook in place, because if you don't have a handbook in place and you don't have policies and procedures in place, verbal isn't going to work. You know, a verbal agreement, though, I know that we can get tied up in that conversation. Well, that's the whole but, problem yeah. is you have to argue and litigate that. Right. So make sure you have your handbook. Make sure you're consistent with your policies and procedures. Um, Then I go in to see their I-9 system. What are they using? Um, What are they using paper I-9s? Are they using up-to-date I-9s? That's a big thing. Mm -hmm. Also, are they taking advantage of tax credits? That's a huge thing that I introduced to one of my clients, uh, WOTC tax credits. And are, are they utilizing that? If not, I would set them up with that. Wow, that might be a big benefit. It's a huge benefit because that's essentially money for your business, mm-hmm. right? 
So, and now they make it so easy. The state of Texas makes it so easy to um, to submit the paperwork and all of that. Texas is one of the easiest states. And then you have down to your labor law posters. Do you have everything posted that you're supposed to? I recommend going through a business to do that so it looks nice and neat and it's all in one spot. Uh, do you have your work comp provider set up? You know, have you had a – what ages of employees do you hire? Because if you're working with a big Burkle mixer, uh, I can tell you right now that under the age of 18, they cannot handle that type of machine. Mm -hmm. So what machines are you working with that could potentially get you in some sort of legal trouble with with the state? Right. You may not know if if what you're doing is already against the rules unless you read all of these laws and regulations or if you hire somebody to help you. Yeah. So I would go in and depending on the industry, really kind of do a checklist, walk around, look at things, um, and go from there. Some other things that a lot of clients ask me about are uh, what are, what's the difference between an hourly versus a salary employee? What are some things that they need to be aware of there? So that's when you dive into your exempt and non-exempt positions, right? And it's not based on just the title. A lot of employers think, oh, well, I'm going to call them an HR manager, mm-hmm. and they are automatically exempt. No, there are some tests that need to be done, some testing that needs to be done. Do they supervise employees? Do they qualify for one of the exemptions um, for being an exempt employee? Um, And there is, you know, we did several years ago, I actually took our entire office staff and individually, based on what they did, not their job title, I went over all of their duties. And I qualified, I I classified some as exempt, some as non-exempt. That can get employers in trouble. It it leads to, do I have to pay them overtime or not? Right. So going back to the work from home, I'm sitting there and I'm working. Some days I would work until 7 o'clock, not even knowing, not even realizing. Mm -hmm. You know, and I would take my lunch at my computer, keep working, so what happens when your non-exempt employees take their lunch to their computer and find themselves working until 7 o'clock, but they're only, let's say they clock out at 5, right? They clock out at 5, and then they go back to their computer going, ah, I forgot something. How do you track that? So how do you know? You know, that could be a huge um, that could that's a huge liability. They might need to invest in some different software. Yep. So we actually rolled out our policies, checked our timesheets. We said every time that you touch your computer, so when they would touch their computer, because mm-hmm. it was their work computer, right, right, it would clock them in. So I worked very closely with um, Innovative Tech. That's my the IT company that I work with. Uh, to really monitor people. And it's almost like an invasion of privacy, right? But you just have to make sure that if those they're working, that's time they have to be paid. And that was a big issue that, that we ran into. Okay. How about the question, are you an employee or are you an independent contractor? Yep. So I think a lot of small businesses, uh, they and want I, to classify I, them as contractors sure. so they don't have to withhold taxes. Sure. And that is going to get them in trouble. So I recently had a company come to me and say, is this a contract employee? So there's questions I ask. Are they on a set time? So do you tell them when to report to work? Um, do Are they following your direction or are they, for instance, a locksmith. A locksmith comes and they unlock your car. You have no idea how to do it as an as, mm-hmm. as a person. Right. They're an independent contractor. They're right. a company. They're a business. There is a big difference. If you if you are training but, this employee, but if I give him my truck and my tools, your laptop, mm-hmm. your yes, that would make you an employee. And how how was that an issue with work at home? Uh, so luckily we didn't run into the contractor versus employee issue, not with the companies I worked with. B- 
because they, they tried, oh, this is just an independent contractor. No, it's not. And so I was able to really nip that in the bud. Um, but a lot of companies want to save on insurance. They want to save on, uh, they're like, oh, well, they work from home. They're a contractor because they work from home. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Um, if you have to question if they're a contractor or an employee, they're probably an employee. And if you get that wrong, the employee can call Texas Workforce Commission Absolutely. or the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and file a complaint. And Or the IRS might say, oh, yeah. actually, you owe more in payroll taxes. Oh, yeah. And you do not want to get behind on payroll taxes because they will shut your business down. Mm-hmm. So, but that's another thing. I mean, that's, you know, on the checklist, it's going into businesses and making sure that they are classifying their employees correctly. Okay. So Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show and we like to talk about legacy. But before I dive into that, is there anything else about HR that was on your list? To discuss. I, you know, I, I think, I honestly think that it, I, I, I've had such a great conversation today about it. It's been fun. I don't get to do this often. So I really appreciate the invite to come on and talk about stuff that people really don't want to know, right? They just want us to go in and handle it, which I'm more than capable of doing. <laughs> well, as as the laws get more complex, I, I think that it it's good for businesses to farm that out so that you can focus on what you're good at and and then hire somebody to do the rest. And they may not need a full-time HR person. Small companies do not need a full-time HR person. Depending on their industry, they don't. And that's why Harmonic is great because they can do they can handle from as little as 5 employees to yeah, I've handled 8,000 employees. So, you know, there's there's little areas that HR is is always needed. Okay. So Marquardt Law Firm focuses on uh, last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. And so we like to talk about legacy. Uh, That's the values that we leave to our loved ones after we pass away, more more so than money, life insurance, or cars and properties. Uh, We're leaving values attached to those things. Can you think of something that you received or some something that you learned from a loved one? Sure. Um, you know, and I can just take it to my, you know, what I've always taught my, my children, what they've always seen is to plan for your future. You know, I, that my husband came in great with that. You know, he was planning for college. He was planning for when we left this wonderful earth, mm-hmm. um, what to leave to our children. And preparing them for the future, the, uh, uh, any type of retirement plans, Mm -hmm. right. Um, any type of, uh, college funds that that's a huge thing right now for people. They need to, I've taught my children college, 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 save, 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 provide for your future. Yeah. That's the best thing you can do Mm -hmm. because nobody can take that away from them. Right. What they've learned. Uh, when, when you were talking about, planning for the future, it made me remember uh, my mom's dad. We called him Gran. He had pancreatic cancer, uh, but didn't know it until they did exploratory surgery. And after they sewed him up, he he passed away like within a couple of weeks. But he did have a will. You know, that at least my grandmother and, and my mom and my aunt didn't have to, to go through with him not having a will. Um, he had all of his financial affairs in order, but it was still a shock. And, and the one thing that um, he didn't tell my grandmother about was the combination to his safe. Uh, no. <laughs> so there, there's a lot of things that maybe aren't legal in nature that you should still let your, your family know about. And so when, when I do a will or a trust, I also have this funeral planning form. It, it's just a worksheet that, you know, isn't really legally enforceable, but lets everybody know where things are. 
Um, I have a lot of clients that they, they say, where can I find my mom's will? How do I know where, where she was banking? Well, you can call every single bank, you know, in town and, and, and ask, um, but there's, there's easier ways to handle those things, and it would be good to write it all down. And if you don't know what kinds of things are going to be important, that's when you go to a checklist like I have. Uh, and so that's almost as important as having the legal will in uh, in writing. Well, you have to know where the will is, too. People ask me, do you have it? <laughs> and people don't think about this until it's too late, until something happens. Oh, I should have done that. I think that's great. You know, I was very blind to that as well. You know, we have things that we want to leave our children, and we have wills, but they haven't been updated in quite some time. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important, very important. Yeah, and think about are there any family heirlooms that you really want one specific child to have. You right. could write that down or put a sticker on it. <laughs> well, we're going to talk later next week because I need your help. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for coming today thank and you. talking to us about HR. Uh, you heard it on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt, where we help you discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the radio. Talk where you <laughs> I'll see you next time Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.